On this episode of the Breaking the Game show, Austin and I are joined by the great Rashad Phillips. We discuss his basketball career. We discuss his position dictionary. We get into NBA coaching changes and even get to play a little bit of pass and shoot with the great Yoda himself. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Talk soon. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Breaking the Game is brought to you by way of the Off the Ball Network. Go to offtheballnetwork.com for all of your sports needs. I am Stephen Gillespie, and joining me as he always does is my awesome co-host, Austin Carr. Austin, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, Stephen. I'm excited for our uh, our exciting show we've got for everybody today. Oh, yeah, me too. We won't even beat around the bush. I want to get right into nope. this because we have a great guest on. He is the host of the One of One podcast. He is a just one of the best basketball minds that you would ever get the privilege to talk to or interact with. And that, ladies and gentlemen, would be the great Rashad Phillips. Rashad, how you doing today, man? I'm, I'm fantastic, fellas. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be able to exchange dialogue with you, too. Oh, we're thrilled to death to have you. I was telling Austin whenever you and I agreed you know, that you would come on the show. It's like, awesome. We got Rashad Phillips coming on here, <laughs> right. man. Like we love scouting. We love looking at yeah. the game, not really through a different way, but just as we see it. And we were talking about this before the show, Rashad, that you look at the game the way that you see it. Yeah. You don't try to outthink the room, but not everybody sees it the same way as you. Right. 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 You know, for, for me, man, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm, I'm 42. I'll be 43 in May. I've been evaluating talent since I was about seven years old. So I've been doing this, you know, easily 30 years, you know. Um, and so I'm just happy that, you know, with social media and these different platforms that I'm able to, to share um, my knowledge and, and, and with people to let them see how I see the game through my lenses. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're thrilled to have you on here. And you talked about this a lot with uh, our president, Chris LeBron of the Off the Ball Network. Uh, yeah. And you went into a lot of great detail. We just want to do a, a, a run through on kind of your career and how you got to be from, you know, just this high school kid just slaying it out there to yeah. going to college, to going through the whole pro process. And now you created, you know, Sports Talk 2319. So yeah. what? How, how did you get to be where you are, man? I just think that, you know, being born with the game of basketball, like I come from parents that I come from sports parents. Father's a community activist slash basketball coach. Mm -hmm. My mom is a huge football fan, basketball fan. My younger brother, basketball player. So for me, it was just I was surrounded by the game from a young age. And I tell people this all the time. It's nothing different than a kid that is born with two parents that are lawyers or two parents that are doctors right you you the apple doesn't fall far from the tree so for me that's kind of how i became what i am as far as the game and 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 playing at a high level it started at a young age and it's just something that nurtured over time and it served me well awesome stuff and so you you get this influence from your parents you said the game influenced basically some of the foundation of your life right and yeah you know where where are you growing up at this time rashad yeah, I was born on I was born in the east side of Detroit. 
uh, East State Fair in 75. Um, and again, I was one of those kids that was outside dribbling up and down the street all day, playing football. You know, it was just it, sports consumed me from a young age. My father used to take me to, to basketball games. Um, he started a community center um, uh, based around basketball. And I got a chance to watch the Steve Smiths, watch the Chris Webbers, you mm -hmm. know, watch the Jalen Rose front and center. And for me, I was able to kind of develop an eye for talent, develop an eye um, to, to be great. What it looks like. How do they walk? How do they talk? How do they respond? The mannerisms. I got to see that at seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I, I, I kind of just, I started to imitate. And then when you had Isaiah Thomas playing for the Detroit Pistons, me growing up in Detroit, a smaller guard. So I was, again, surrounded by all this greatness. And, you know, it was just a matter of time before that it would, a little bit of that was sprinkled in my area. And uh, I would started to use those same type of uh, traits that I was able to see as a kid. It's it's interesting that you say that. It's kind of, we just had Ronnie Brewer on as a guest not that long ago. And Ronnie! He, he mentioned a lot of the same things that you are about just, you know, growing up with a, a dad that played, you know, and around yep. Sidney Moncrief and how it helped him when it came time to go into the league. He just was never overwhelmed. The moment was never too big for him. He just kind of learned how to act just like those guys. So, yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie was a terrific player. Ronnie, if you're watching this, I watched you at Arkansas. You were a terrific player. You were a two way guy. You, you would shut down the opposing team's best player. You would make big shots. You were fantastic in space, and you had a physical presence about you. Job well done in the NBA as well. Very nice. Yeah, and being a, a kid from Arkansas, you know, I always say, like, Ronnie had them clamps, you know, like, yes. no, yes. no player was too big for Ronnie to step, no. a, step across from. And he was talking um, to Chris LeBron earlier and was talking about how guys like Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant, like, legends of the game like that was his job that he had to cover these guys but Rashad you were talking about all these great things that Ronnie was doing in college man you're no slouch yourself you know being this Detroit kid you talk about being this undersized guard and how Isaiah Thomas influenced so much game you go from you know growing up in these communities you're watching all these you know NBA legends in front of yeah. you you're imitating them you're picking up on their mannerisms their swag their energy yeah. And then you get to where you start deciding where you want to go to college. So what does that look like for you? Yeah. So after, you know, after my my high school, you know, my four years of high school, it was it was a tremendous journey for me. I had wonderful teammates, wonderful coaches. I had a fantastic inner circle support system. And uh, when it was time to choose a college, it was fairly easy for me during my era, being a small scoring guard was taboo mm. it was almost shunned upon to have a 5'9 150 pound scoring point guard like college coaches were like i don't want that like i believe during that time college coaches didn't believe that smaller guys could translate to the division one level because of the size of the opposing guards um the style of the game so I was kind of an anomaly um, mm -hmm. coming out of high school. So I was able to choose University of Detroit. They took a, took a chance on me. 
Coach Watson and his staff. And uh, from then on, I was able to kind of um, do what I needed to do. Right. And this is where the legend of 2319 comes from, because the the secret behind the show, I, I learned this just from listening to the last show you were on with Chris, is that this is your your college work, you know, culmination all in one, you know, 200 or excuse me, 2319 points is what you ended up putting up in college. And if it wasn't for your freshman year, man, you probably would be in this point club, right? I would. Yeah. If I like I didn't start my freshman year and I'm still mm -hmm. upset about that, um, because if I start my freshman year, I, I score three thousand points easily. Like that's that's only, you know, another, you know, six hundred and fifty plus points. You know, like I. I but I who's counting, out. right, Rashad? Who's yeah, counting? Who's count, right. right. I'm a score. So scores always know where they end up at, man. So, yep. hey, I, I, I would be in a three thousand point club, but I love the the the. 2,319 points. It's it's a sentimental, holds a lot of sentimental weight with me. And it's a numerical representation of overcoming um, obstacles, um, de defeating, defeating the giant. So it's not just the points for me. It's a numerical representation of what I stand for today. I was just going to mention, I feel like you were uh, very ahead of your time looking at your stats here, your senior year, taking oh nine and goodness. a half threes a game. Good Lord. You had the, <laughs> you had the, uh, the foresight to see where the game was going, huh? I knew where it was going. Taking, taking nine threes a game in 2001 was right. Forbidden. It was forbidden to take nine threes a game, but not only taking nine threes a game, but connecting on 41%. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that, you're, you're hitting these at a clip. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a clip. I hit 136 my senior year. That led the nation. That was number that's one awesome. in the nation at 41% shooting nine threes a game. That's what the NBA is today. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you true. think Steph Curry awesome. had Rashad Phillip posters hanging up in his room or something? Or I don't think, it, I don't think he knew who I was, but... You know what? I watched his father, and yeah. what I loved about Dale Curry was his ability to move without the ball. He he was able to use screens, and he had a quick trigger. Uh, mm -hmm. And and Steph plays that same way a lot, like his father. He's great off the ball. His dad couldn't dribble though. Yeah. His dad really couldn't dribble like Steph. No, Steph is like a a, a super version of his father. All right, so. Rashad, you you go, you're killing in high school. You go to college. A lot of people, you know, slept on you. You stay, you know, with your hometown Detroit college. You're going through putting up that twenty three nineteen. Your is yeah. your phone is your phone ringing at this time? You know, are you're on the radar of some NBA teams at this moment, right? Oh yeah, my phone didn't stop ringing. It was it was. I mean, my senior year, I was getting phone calls from the top agents. I got all the phone calls, you know, um, and, and, you know, it was warranted, though. You know, I, I was yeah. All-American. Mm -hmm. I was a Naismith, you know, about to about to win the Naismith Award as the best college player in the country under six foot. So, I mean, you, you like for, you know, at that time, again, what people don't understand that there was no social media. So the fact that I was been, I, able to be on Sports Illustrated, be in mm -hmm. ESPN magazine, Slam magazine, Win the Naismith Award from the west side of Detroit, a small mid-major school in the west side of Detroit. That's right. It shows that the the impact that not only myself but what we were doing as a team that the attention was warranted. 
Right. And you're getting ready for this 2001 draft class. And you're proje- are you projected to get drafted at this moment? Just for the people yeah. who are listening and watching, you're projected to get drafted. You're seeing names go down in front of you. I'm just going to read off some guys that were in this draft class with you so people understand just what it's like to go through a draft process and how sometimes it doesn't always fall out the way that you want, right? So, And also, just as a reference to what the game looked like at the time, picks one through four were Kwame Brown, Tyson Chandler, Paul Gasol, and Eddie Curry. Do you Mm -hmm. think we ever see a draft like this again? No. Nobody's picking bigs like that. No, and so you got also guys like uh, Jason Richardson, my guy Joe Johnson, ISO Joe. Yes. Oh, he's, he was good. Uh, yeah, other guys Jefferson. on here: Zach Randolph, you know Gilbert Arenas, Hibachi. Now you got a pretty cool story about how you and Hibachi were kind of going through the the then yeah. D League process, right? Well, it was summer league, so it was um, after I didn't get drafted. You know, to answer mm-hmm. your question, I was uh, I was MVP of Portsmouth. Uh, mm-hmm. People who don't know what Portsmouth is, Portsmouth is where they send all the seniors at the end of the season to play in front of the uh, the NBA scouts and agents. Um, I was MVP and led my team to the championship at Portsmouth. So from mm-hmm. then on, I was projected a first round pick. Um, they had me going, I think to. I think 28 or something like that between so 28 San and Antonio. San Antonio, but San Antonio mm-hmm. made the right decision. They drafted Tony Parker. Mm-hmm. So they made the right decision there. Tony was a, a terrific player, got a chance to work out with him, knew he was going to be special. Um, but after the draft, my phone rung the next morning. It was the Golden State Warriors. And, th- and this is why I love the Golden State Warriors. A lot of people think I love Golden State because of Steph Curry. There's two teams that I that I I, I love. Well, three teams. Obviously, the Detroit Pistons because I'm from Detroit. But of there's course. two teams outside of the Detroit Pistons that I I'm, I hold in dear to me, and that's that's the Golden State Warriors and the Orlando Magic. Golden State was the team that called me immediately the next day after the draft. Orlando was a team that gave me multiple workouts and really loved my game and my style. The Orlando GM at the time, his name was Gabriel. He pulled me to the side after a workout and was like, your game is so futuristic. I don't know what the NBA is going to do with you. Now, I'm 22, 23. I don't really know what he meant, right? Because You're I'm not trying to hear that, right? You just want to hear that. I'm not trying to hear that. But you know what? He was right. He sat me down after a workout. This was the GM of the Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm. He sat me down after a workout, and he was like, your game is so futuristic, I don't know what the NBA is going to do with you. He told, that to, he told that to me in my face. Imagine hearing that at 22 years old. Now I'm here at four. That was 20 years ago. I'm 42 now. Now I know what he meant. Yeah. Because now what we're watching to, in today's game is what he said they, did, they didn't know what to do with 20 years ago. That was the nine threes a game in college. That was the shooting from the fourth level and all of that stuff. No, no guards was, was playing that way in 2001, you know? So, yeah, honestly, just, just looking at the list of names on this, you know, this draft year, year in 2001 there, I mean, three quarters of them are big, slow plotting big men who, you know, the way they played at that time, wouldn't even hardly have a place in the game today. It's just, it's, it's crazy to think about how far player evaluation has come. Oh my goodness. 
it's it's i mean like it's right there it's it's, it's right I mean, there. they literally told you they we don't know what we're going to do with you and you have yeah. like the number one skill that they look for now in the nba really the gm the gm yeah. came Insane. to me and told me in my face after a workout i was hitting all these threes and speeding through these drills and they were looking at me like what like what is he like he's like mm -hmm. five nine he's a buck 60 like what are we gonna he's shooting from almost half court like we don't play that way yeah you know what they could have used at that time though Rashad is something that you've developed right and we talked a lot about this before the show and that is this awesome position dictionary that you have and before we turn it over to you Austin this mm -hmm. is totally our wheelhouse, right? Like we love oh, this yes. type of stuff, man. This is this is our thing, man, for sure. We don't really have to we don't have to sit down and crunch too many numbers. We don't have to dive too deep. It's just kind of, you know, right there in front of your face, which is what I like the best. Yeah, so a lot of people they kind of laud praises on you, right? For the way that you look at the game, right? But you yeah. talked earlier about how at such a young age that you were around the game, right? And I was listening to the the show that you did with Chris, and you were at this time like doing scouting reports on players before you were even like in middle school, right? Yeah, my father used to take me to high school games every Tuesday and Friday at three thirty. There was a, a a feature high school game in Detroit, and we would drive to whatever the feature game was. So the thing was, my father was trying to build a scouting report service. So what he would do was take me to the game and he would say, I need you to write evaluations on the two best players on the court and let me think, let me see it after the game. So after a while, I had an entire manual of, of players and I was eight years old. My, my father used those. My father told this story better than me. So my father mm -hmm. would use the notes that I wrote on the high school players and he would show the coaches and the coaches would be like, these are great evaluations. And my dad said, yeah, my son wrote them. <laughs> right. And they like, so for me, like I've been doing this for so long. Like this is not something that I just roll, woke up one day on this side of the bed and said, I'm going to start doing evaluations. This is something that I've been doing subconsciously since I was seven, eight years old. So it's just natural for me to be an evaluator. Right. It's like second nature. It's just when you watch a game, you can't really help it. That's just how you, how you see yeah. it. Yes. Yes. I think people sure. would go crazy watching a game with me. If you could hear my thoughts. You sound so much like my dad. It's it's crazy. <laughs> my dad was an AAU coach for you know <laughs> over twenty years, and I mean, we'd go and sit and watch a third grade girls game just in yes. between our, you know in between our games, and he'd be, be breaking down every single player on the court. I'm like, yes, can't you just watch the game? He goes, I am watching the game. <laughs> That's how we watch it. It's you have fun. you have your citizens, and then you have people in the matrix, right? And yes. you know, Rashad, you're living in the matrix at this moment when you're watching this, you know. I actually at eight years old. My son just turned eight last month, and I don't think that I could I, – I couldn't envision him doing something like this. I mean, it, it's just yeah. some people have a calling for it. Yeah, it's just – it was just natural, man. It was, it was natural. and, and it, it, it was funny, but it's, it's prepared me for today. Yeah, and awesome. it's just crazy that that foundation – obviously, when you're scouting, it's one thing to be like what they call a student of the game, right? You may not have the skill, but right. you do have the eye and the mind for it. Or you do have people who – 
can play basketball all day long and they think that they know, okay, just because I'm great at basketball, I can evaluate talent because I know how to play it. But Rashad, you got this like perfect blend of a student of the game and a killer on the court. Yeah. Right. And so for your 2319 Sports Talk 2319 that you do now, yeah. you have this it it's not even complicated, but it's just so unique in how you evaluate different positions in the NBA now or WNBA college. It doesn't matter. It's universal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some of these different positions that you have that you have compared to other players? And how do you yeah. think that benefits the game today by looking at them differently? Yeah. So what I did was obviously there's the five traditional positions of point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center. So you have the five standard positions. So for me, I started to look at that and say, everything around us is about evolution, right? We're, we're talking on a computer right now. That's evolution, right? Mm-hmm. We, have, we have cell phones. That's evolution. We, we, when we get in cars, Today, it's different than the car that we got in 30 years ago. That's evolution. The TVs that we watch now, they're in 4K. Remember, they started in 720p. They were black and white. They went to color. They went to digital. Everything's evolving around us. So I started scratching my head, like, how come basketball terminology hasn't evolved? Like, what, what are we doing? The terminology has been going on for 70 plus years. But the players have changed. Mm-hmm. So how how can we still use the same terminology to identify players of today that we use seventy years ago? It's impossible. It truly is, and we you hear people talk about this all the time. I'm sure Rashad being as involved in the game as you are, where ah uh, this player would never be able to play back in the right. day, or this player from yesteryear wouldn't be able to succeed in today's NBA, and really weren't meant to, right? Like that's just natural progression of the game. It's officiated differently. Players are incentivized to do things differently now than they used to be. So it's not fair to really critique them, but we do sometimes see foreshadowings of what were some of these things to come, right? Like you yourself in college, you were foreshadowing things to come. And we have guys today, like the center is making a comeback now. It may look a little bit different, but some of the best players in the NBA right now are back to the basket bigs. So it's really hard when you have these sprinklings of different generations, so to speak, within other generations. But the way that you have this position dictionary, it makes it so easy just to kind of call a player what they are, right? So um, I'm curious just to get into some of these positions. And we have a couple in particular that that you do get questioned a lot about. as to what really differentiates these two between each other. I'd like to start with, you have a point guard, right? We're used to that terminology, but then you have a traditional guard. So what are kind of some of the distinguishing characteristics between those two? So before I break the definition down, I'm going to use two players and then I'll break it down. So you guys, so we can, I I like to make everything simple for everybody. I love it. Me too. Traditional guard is TG, okay? That's the acronym, right? Point guard is PG. So let's take a TG, which is like a Rajon Rondo. Mm -hmm. I would call him a traditional guard. Traditional guards are sacrificial positions. They go above and beyond to set the table for their teammates. They pass first, they pass second, they shoot third. That's what makes them traditional. So you think of a player like Rajon Rondo. 
point guard, you think of a Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. You think of a Trey Young. The point guard position is a player that particularly has scoring on their mind, but they have a unique skill to be able to pass it and set the table. A point guard will not go out of their way to set the table because they trust their scoring just as much as their passing. That's the difference with traditional guard and point guard. The TG goes above and beyond. The point guard doesn't. That makes too much sense, right? Rashad, what you're telling me right now, especially so when, when you give us a player that we can look at and see this. And some of the other guys that you have under traditional guard are guys like Ricky Rubio, who that was his calling card coming into the NBA, mm-hmm. was his ability to pass the ball and make it look good at the same time, you know? So, yeah, TG has a, a lineage of players. John Stockton was a TG, mm-hmm. Mark Jackson was a TG, Jason Kidd was a TG. There's fabric in these positions that I've created. There's there's a fabric there. I've done the, the research. So you can trace these positions back in history and find guys that, that fit under that tree. Right. It always kind of bothered me how the the talk about point guards were that they had to be the table setter and that they weren't necessarily, you know, always going to be a scorer. Because in my mind, I feel like there's at least throughout history to me, there's more, more good scoring point guards almost yeah. than there have been shooting guards in, in yeah. a lot of instances. And I just never liked this idea that, you know, Oh, the, the point guard is the guy that has to set everything up and he's yeah. always the one to make a pass because it just wasn't really true. It wasn't true. It was never true. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, we see kind of more contemporary players, if you will. And now, Right, Rashad, we have hybrid guards and combo guards. Now, mm-hmm. some of the comparisons that you have under hybrid guard are Steph Curry and Damian Lillard, while under the combo guard, you have Victor Oladipo and CJ McCollum. So we know what that looks like, you know, realistically as a player, but can you describe to us the difference in the game? Absolutely. So when you look at hybrid guards, I believe that's what I was. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, it's easy for me to identify that position because it was what it was what I was, right? right. So mm-hmm. um, hybrid guards are offensive juggernauts almost where mm-hmm. they can do everything. They're not heavy facilitators. They're just very dangerous when the ball's in their hands. That's what makes mm-hmm. them hybrid guards. So you look at a, a Steph Curry who with the ball or without the ball, he's just dangerous. He's just poisonous. Can't leave him alone. Da- Damian Lillard. Uh, hybrid guard, kind of the same way, kind of a different mode, but still a hybrid guard. Jamal Murray, hybrid mm-hmm. guard. Gilbert Arenas, hybrid guard. Like those are hybrids. Um, mm-hmm. Then you look at combo guards are guys like uh, Joe Dumars, you know, okay, uh, guys that could, they're not great at nothing. They're good at everything. That's what kind of separated. I, I'm going to break it down. The hybrid guard and the combo guard, I'm going to break it down in terms of, of snakes. Let's talk snakes. The combo guard is like a rattlesnake. The hybrid guard is like a king cobra. Okay. The king cobra is more poisonous than a rattlesnake. The rattlesnake is still poisonous, but not like the king cobra. Mm-hmm. So, right, and that rattlesnake is going to warn you too, right? Like yeah. King Cobra is just going to go off it's, on you. Yeah, you, you, there's no warning, and that's the di- that's the difference. They're both snakes, 
Mm. They're both dangerous, but one is more poisonous than the other. That's the difference between hybrid guard and combo guard. What do you think, Rashad, is if you if you had to pick, right? Because all of these have their their role yeah. in today's NBA. No, no one of them is obsolete, right? Because we no. see all of them in the game right now and yeah. a lot of stars at every one of these spots. Yes. But if if you were building a team, Rashad, and you Ooh. could pick any position out of your position dictionary to start a team with good question good question what do you think is the most important position oh that's a t- oh did i put you on the spot rashad i figured you would have had this one great you put question. me on the spot man that's oh, tough man. so i got two answers to that okay? okay the first answer is it depends on who who am i evaluating right to, okay like, what's my pool of players today's nba i would start it with the dual forward and I see some of the players that you have under this description. You have LeBron James. I, NBA fans have probably heard of this guy, right? You know, yeah, one of, if not the best player to ever do it, right? Um, yeah. And then you uh, maybe the heir apparent in Luka Doncic, right? So yeah. you talk about they kind of do a little bit of everything, don't they, Rashad? They're engines. Mm. They're engines. Like the car doesn't move without an engine. You can have windshield wipers, tires, steering wheel, Nice seats. The car doesn't move without what? The engine. The engine. The dual forward is an engine. Like it, it, it takes on the most responsibility. It's the table setter. It's the scorer. It's the rebounder. It's the leader. It's everything. And 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 LeBron James didn't create this position. He just took it to another level. LeBron James is the ideation. He's the mm-hmm. oracle. He he's the trendsetter. But if you look at the lineage, we talk lineage, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In Mm -hmm. every one of these positions, Larry Bird was a dual forward. That's right. He was an engine. Larry Bird was an engine, not just with the Celtics. He was an engine at Indiana State. He was an engine. And and then you you speed things up. Grant Hill Mm. was an engine. That's right. Mm -hmm. We could talk about Christian Laettner. Bobby Hurley, all we want to. Yep. But there was an engine to that team, and it was Grant Hill. That man was so nasty. He was nasty. So, you know. So he he came to Detroit and 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 was a dual forward. You know. So that position is what I would draft first. I believe it it it's more satisfying, and you can surround them with lesser teammates. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. I'm listening. The dual forward, the dual forward doesn't need great teammates because they're the engine. So everything runs through them. Give me Grant Hill any day, and give me any four you want to give me because I got a I got a dual forward. Would you classify Tracy McGrady under that category? Uh, I as would a dual not. Okay. I now would where, not. Where does he fall? He's a small forward. Okay. He was unique. Some guys are unique at their regular traditional position. But Tracy McGrady wasn't an engine. He okay. Was a, he was a great scorer. Tracy didn't really pass it well. He, he was a, a cold-blooded scorer. Like, Fair engines enough. are everything. You know, that's the difference. Now, what's that second position? You said that there were stipulations I had to give you. You could yeah. pick between yeah. dual forward. What was the second one? I would probably take... A hybrid guard, and I'm being biased here. <laughs> hey, you, but, you're not lying. I mean, Dame and Steph, who wouldn't want those like, two on your team? 
the hybrid guard again is the most poisonous snake it's poisonous it's deadly you get the right hybrid guard it can be ugly trying to defend them and we watch we watch let's not even use steph curry right let's just let's use damian lillard right mm -hmm. like he's poisonous yeah we saw him in uh curry last night who won that was dame the, the other king cobra won last night yeah you, that you, big you, step back three he didn't even have a great game but no, you can't but you can't poisonous. leave him alone it was one strike mm -hmm. so i was just gonna say just that one bite it was that one bite that's what hybrid guards are it just took one bite and that and it was venomous and it was and golden state was done so you think of the hybrid guard you know and and let me say this on your guys show mm -hmm. when i use the terms there are high values to the position and lesser values to the position where you can stretch it to high school basketball just because i call you a hybrid guard at the high school level doesn't mean you're the damian lillard hybrid guard right like there are levels to this right there's levels to your venom mm. so if you're in high school you could be a hybrid guard but you don't have damian lillard's type of venom you're not at that adult king cobra you may be a baby king cobra amongst your peers right like that's important you're the to hybrid do. guard of your peers there you go so that's what i don't want people to get mixed up when they're trying to slot kids and saying well my kid is not steph curry no no he still can be a hybrid guard that doesn't mean he have to mm -hmm. he's a hybrid guard for that level where they grow like anthony davis did you know his senior year and then they right. turn into a hybrid post right so exactly. a whole another level of just killer on the court do it all type yes. type different position still extremely important very important you look at anthony davis and again there's a lineage to it there's mm -hmm. a lineage to the hybrid post kevin garnett was a hybrid post boy you was know? he <laughs> yeah, he was he was actually a super hybrid post he was like the supercharger he's hybrid. the mold he's the mold right he's the mold Ke kevin garnett is really the the fabric of what the dual i mean not the dual but the hybrid post kevin mm -hmm. garnett is the poster for hybrid posts and there was hybrid posts before him but kevin garnett is the ideation mm -hmm. for the hybrid post that's the apex right yes right yeah so so who are some guys that you would uh you would say are, are stretch bigs what are some guys you consider stretch bigs that's one that i'm pretty interested Dirk in the whiskey okay that's what i kind of was chris bosh mm. uh carl anthony towns mm. poor okay. like the, bill lambeer like we can go we get right. fabric robert ori there's okay. a lot of fabric shout out to brad miller shout out to rashard lewis right rashard lewis go. rashard lewis was a, a a stretch big he was he was tinkering right between yeah, yeah. small forward and stretch big mm -hmm. but that orlando magic team the way they structured that team they mm -hmm. used shard as a stretch big dwight howard was more of a hybrid post mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. do was a dual forward go there watch the go. tape and very then nice, you have nelson nice. is kind of that what that hybrid guard would you he say was kind of a hybrid guy in the hype look at the go look at the tape it's, a it's great there. Team. I, I would I would say that if I had to pick that I would I would categorize myself as a stretch big when I the little bit that I did play I was go. I mean I'm only like six three but for my high school that was fairly big and I could I could step out and shoot it pretty well so that was my one claim to fame was my three pointer so stretch big see you found your identity you know what like it's so therapeutic for everyone 
to actually find their identity, man. Like mm-hmm. it's therapeutic. Like, like Austin, you just was like, you know what? Those five positions, man, I wasn't, I wasn't really a power forward. I wasn't really a center. I wasn't mm-hmm. a small forward, but I was a stretch big. You just found your identity. I did. And that you, hear, you. you heard it here on the show, folks. I just figured out who I am. <laughs> Thank you, you guys. Man, Richard is coming with just game knowledge. He's laying down a little bit of therapy for my buddy Austin here. <laughs> He's got his life turned around now, ladies and gentlemen. Rashad, you're, you're, you're doing a great job here on the show, man. So we got to pick your brain a little bit about what you did, you know, growing up and in college and your draft process. Learn about the way that you view the game. Now that I understand that the way that you see the game and I know a little bit more about who you are as a player and as a scout, I want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on actually in the NBA right now. And what we're seeing, we saw two different types of coaching changes, right? I think they were both, the writing was a little bit on the wall, but they were done in completely different ways. You know, we saw Minnesota let go of Ryan Saunders, son of the late great Flip Saunders, rest in peace, Flip. He was let go team was the worst as far as winning percentage goes in the NBA. They had coach Vanterpool on this team as their associate head coach, not just an assistant, but an associate. That's important to remember. But then they go and hire a guy by the name of Chris Finch just hours after letting go uh, of Saunders. Now, Rashad, I know that you have connections in this game. I'm not asking you to divulge anything that other people have said, but I'm sure that you've heard different things by now. So you individually, how did you process this transaction that took place in Minnesota? I I just thought that it was um, they didn't use the proper um, protocol to make a hire. Um, so when you pull the curtain back, obviously that deal was done before mm-hmm. they fired Saunders. Mm-hmm that guy already knew he was being hired. So there was some things being done under the table and it was obvious. They didn't even really hide it. It was like, look, man, it was like one of those phone calls. Like we're going to make you the coach in a month. So just hold tight and we're going to fire him. Like, it was like, that's what they did. It was like a phone call. They fired him. And the guy was like, here's our coach without actually going through the proper protocol of interviewing or obviously allowing Vanderpool to slide over 18 inches mm-hmm. so he can become the head coach because he's paid his dues. And he's a player's coach. He, he, he understands the X's and O's and he understands the way the game is being played today. So it was kind of, it, it kind of hurt a little bit to see that process because obviously it's not us going through it, but you kind of hurt for the next person when you see that they're, they're, they're putting their work in to get to that spot. And it, when they don't get it, it, it it's it's demor- it's a little demoralizing. I don't know what they stood to lose by giving Vanderpool a chance as, you know, Nothing. like you said, sliding him over because it's not like Chris Finch was going and taking another job tomorrow. Right. You know, they could have, they could have given him a little bit of time and who knows what they had on their hands. It might've worked out great. And it just, it didn't make any sense to me that they were in such a big hurry. But this idea that someone like Masai Ujiri in Toronto didn't know that this was coming, you know, that's that's ridiculous. Everybody that knows him knows that he knew. So like you said, it was obviously something that had been in the works for a while. I'm with you, man. It it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way for sure. I I always try to, you know, I always put my, my, myself in situations and if I'm grinding it out and I know I'm next up in line for this job, not not wishing this guy gets fired or anything. I'm doing my job, but knowing like if he falls off, then I'm next in line. And then you don't get that next in line. 
Mm-hmm. You ever go to the right. grocery store and you think you're next in line and the person go in front of you Ooh. and it's like, well, I've been standing here for 25 minutes. <laughs> that's how I felt. And that's fair. And it's fair to feel that way, I find, because Vanterpool was the associate head coach. And Rashad, you know this, when you're at that associate level, the team is communicating to you that they believe that you could lead a yeah. team. You know, you're you you take on more share than any other assistant coach ever would. You're preparing game plans. You're analyzing film. You're pulling these guys to the side when they mess up. You're in these players ear. Right. And you're investing all that time, effort and energy and opportunity into your craft. And you believe that the team feels that you are that guy, Rashad, that you just so eloquently stated. And then Chris Finch, you know, it's always difficult and tricky when you're like, it's not right that he got the job, but he yeah. it was more Rosas having a prior relationship with him, kind of that good old boy system. Kind of the yeah, it was that's what it was. I mean, it was I mean, it's right there. The best my my grandfather used to always tell me the best way to hide is in plain sight. You know, honestly, I think that's the the, the thing that's kind of plaguing Minnesota in the first place. Is no no offense to to Ryan Saunders, but if anybody that I've heard talk about it said he probably wasn't ready or even really head coaching material and kind of just got the job because of who his dad was in a way. And nothing against him. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he's a great guy, but if that's the case, then then that's not how they should have gone about it in the first place there. So it just, you know, kind of repeating themselves and it's no wonder that Minnesota is one of the worst franchises in the last few decades. Yeah. it's, it's, It's not, it's not looking good. Yeah. And so Rashad, the other coaching, a decision that just came out. I felt the writing was kind of on the wall a little bit uh, with Atlanta when they brought on Nate McMillan to be oh, yeah. that associate head coach. You felt like there was pressure on Lloyd Pierce to perform because not only does he have a budding young superstar who I know that you have a great relationship with and Trey Young, mm-hmm. um, but he also, they added a lot of key pieces this offseason that you felt like they were trying to make a push to be a, a playoff favorite. And it hadn't turned out that way. Pierce, I know, has been involved in that community in Atlanta. Uh, He's also kind of had a back and forth with Trey Young over the past couple of seasons. At least it appears that way, right? How do you kind of make sense of the decision for Coach Pierce to to be let go and then Nate McMillan to be named that interim head coach? I I, I think Atlanta was in a position. Anytime you have a player of Trey Young's caliber, you want to put the best product on the floor to try to Mm -hmm. win. You don't buy a Lamborghini to park it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, Atlanta drafted a Lamborghini and they wanted to drive it and they wanted to surround it with the right with with the right cast. And um, when, you know, going into this season, signing the free agents that they did, it was promising on paper. I I still believe that the Hawks help the Hawks healthy. They're a four or five or six seed if they are all healthy. Right. Had a healthy season. They didn't have a healthy season last year. And, you know, somebody had to take the fall for it. And it was it was Coach Pierce. You're you're hired to be fired in that league. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, you know, it's it's it's, it's not a lot of Greg Popovich and God rest his soul, Jerry Sloan. Mm -hmm. You don't really get guys that can just stay with teams that long. You're hired to be fired. And Mm -hmm. when you started to see the Hawks kind of blow a lot of fourth quarter leads. Mm-hmm. I watched 95% of the Hawks games, 95%. There are, I think, I think 15 and 20 right now or 16 and 20, something like that. They've lost about seven or eight games where they were supposed to be winnable. 
Mm-hmm. So when you start analyzing that from a GM standpoint, I'm just speaking from a GM standpoint. I'm not even speaking personally from from a GM standpoint. When you're watching a team blow leads and lose like that, you start assessing the coach, the, the, the timeouts, the X's and O's, the mannerisms of the players, the body language. Something there wasn't connecting. You ever walk in your house and you and you can't get your Wi-Fi on and you're like, what's the your <laughs> Wi-Fi don't connect with your phone? But you're like, that's what it was in Atlanta. The Wi-Fi wasn't connecting. McMillan, the Wi-Fi is connecting. They're four and one. They had a huge win against Orlando last night. Yep. They were down 15 in the fourth quarter. They, they came back around. home because the Wi-Fi was connected. And, you know, say what you want about his playoff record. But, uh, I, you know, Nate McMillan is Definitely one of those coaches that's known for getting the most out of out yes. of young, Fantastic young guys. Coach. Like what he what he did for three or four years, even to put the Pacers in the position that they were in in the playoffs yeah. every year, to me was impressive it was very by itself. Yeah. So you know, I feel like Lloyd Pierce definitely knew going into this season, especially when it was you know it's been said that him and Nate McMillan have no real prior relationship it right. was it was it was pretty obvious like hey you know you got to <laughs> show us something or or your time's up man okay. so yeah, that's, that, that's that's yeah. a tough that's a tough working environment to have a it guy is. sitting right mm-hmm. next to you knowing that if you mess up this this is the guy that's gonna, right you know but that's the nature of that business those mm-hmm. guys get paid a lot of money you can't feel sorry for guys that like that. It's just basketball at the end of the day. Uh, Lloyd is a, a great dude. I've been able to, you know, meet him, you know, in the locker room. You know, I, I think he's a great guy. He stands for a great cause. And mm-hmm. I, I believe he'll bounce back. Yeah, he had a lot going on, too, personally, you know, with the birth of a child. And yeah. he, he's been a big advocate in that community as well. Yeah. And I think that he... Although that there are speculations of what happened, you know, between player and coach there, I do, be- I do believe that he is widely respected around the league, and he should get another he opportunity. He will. And, well, you know, they they know what they're signing up for when they go into that job. You know, when the yeah. when things are good, you praise the players. When things are bad, you blame the coach. the coach. Yeah, that's just that's just how it goes. That's how yeah. that's the nature of the business. All right, Rashad. Well, we want to play a game with you, man. We do a, we do okay. this segment called Pass or Shoot, and okay. just to remind everybody. Um, we're going to give you a topic, and if you like it, you're going to shoot. I know you're a shooter. You're 23-19, so I, I'm expecting you to shoot these, Rashad, all right? so But I do know that you can pass, so if you don't like it, go ahead and pass, and we'll all go around and talk about a topic. Rashad, I want to ask you a question. Pass or shoot? Are the Knicks back? Let me shoot. Okay. I think they are. The reason the Knicks are back is because the Eastern Conference is really bad. Okay, that's one reason. The second reason is Julius Randle has found his identity. He's been playing out of position for a few years. They were playing him at power forward, which mm-hmm. was wrong. They tried to play him at a little bit of center, which was wrong. Tom Dib- Tom Dibodeau, Thib said, you know what? Let's play him at dual forward. And guess what dual forward has done for Julius Randle? He's put been the engine of the Knicks. Put him in an all-star game. Um, if you don't mind, I'll go, Steven. I'll, yeah, I'm going to shoot this, too. Um, kind of the same reasons he said, but also, what is back for the Knicks? I mean, it, <laughs> it, they've won two titles in 40, 40 or 50 years. I mean, hey, easy now. You know we got fact, Knicks fans the on the fact network. The they're as, as doing as good in the standings as they are, the fact that they're competitive, especially even our Knicks fan friends and associates never thought that 
they would be where they are right now in this season. So I do think the Knicks are back. I mean, you see that video, that viral video of all the fans out in front of the <laughs> the stadium yeah. after the game yeah. going nuts. And it's like, we're one game above 500 and just before the halfway point in the season, we haven't even won anything and look how excited everything is. So yeah. let, let them have their fun, the Knicks man. Are back. Hey, the Knicks are them. back for sure. Knicks are back. Knicks are back. I'm shooting too. I'm going to join you guys. Uh, it, it's hard to deny. I think that Coach Thibodeau has put himself into that Coach of the Year conversation. I just did a, a, a ladder or a ranking, and I have him third right now behind uh, Doc Rivers and then also Quinn Snyder. I just think that the, that the job that Thibodeau has done for this young Knicks team with a couple of veterans, uh, guys like Emmanuel Quickly, who I was high on coming out of the draft, Yep. Uh, he's turned out to be every bit, if not better than advertised. Really you do great. have some vets on this team. Trading for Rose, I think, was an excellent move. You didn't really give up a lot to to get him. And plus, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. just had a triple double for the for the Pistons. So it was a win win. Um, I, I do think that Coach Casey should hold some sort of, you know, coaching camp to where he can teach people how to reach out to players and get the best out of him because he's done a great job in Detroit. But um all right, Rashad, back to you for the last one. Pass or shoot. Carl Anthony Towns should be traded. Yeah, let me let me shoot. Yeah, I think he should. Okay. I think Carl Anthony Towns should be traded. I don't know what's going on. Um, I, I, I know with you know Atlanta, I know they're in contract talks with John Collins. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's gonna happen. This is just me just brainstorming with you guys but okay. i could i could see uh carl anthony towns going to atlanta that would be so nasty right i could see that and i i, I don't i don't have any sources sure. or anything like that this is just me because you asked the question yeah. i see carl anthony town going to a team like the atlanta hawks Makes sense to me. They got a lot of young pieces, you know. He's, I'm, sh- I'm shooting this for sure. I hope, I hope he gets out of Minnesota. I think he needs a fresh start somewhere. Not necessarily just because of the franchise. It's just it's always cold there, and you know he got hit with you know losses in his family from COVID yeah, more than just about anybody we've heard of. And I just think you know anything to kind of change the narrative on him would be a good fresh start for him for whatever reason it hasn't worked in minnesota because his numbers have been outstanding yeah but i i hope he gets out of there and gets somewhere warmer and nicer and atlanta sounds great yeah i mean it sounds a lot like the the star that they had before him you know that kind of hybrid post and kevin garnett right where you know try as he might he got that team super far once and it just couldn't he couldn't materialize into much you know like uh, that that front office didn't really treat him right. Uh, it doesn't look like they they're doing them right. <laughs> I'm sorry. They still not treating them right. That is correct. Say, he wants nothing to do with them. <laughs> right. And you can see that the front office, they're not really like fighting with Carl Anthony Towns, but they're not really taking care of him either. So I think that it would be best for the Wolves to maybe look at a guy like Anthony Edwards maybe as their future and trying to start building around him a little bit because Carl Anthony Towns is going to cost more and more money as time goes on. And you're just kind of spinning your tires with a player like that, not yeah. going anywhere. So mm-hmm. that that's how I feel about it. But uh, Rashad, man, it was Ooh, a pleasure so much fun. to have you on the show. You're, you're 
one of the best basketball minds that I've had the privilege mm-hmm. to speak to. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just humbled to have you on the show. It means a great deal to us that you come and spend some time with us. But before we let you get out of here, I want to let you kind of plug some of the stuff that you go on that you have going on. I know that you have a podcast. I know that you have sports talk. Um, just kind of let some the folks know where they can find you and some yeah. of the stuff that you have going on. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter um, at RP3 Natural. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Rashad Phillips 2319. You can find me on YouTube, Sports Talk 2319. Or you can go to my website, which is sportstalk2319.com, where you'll see my one-of-one podcast, my position dictionary, uh, my my NBA inner circle uh, interviews that I got coming out with Chauncey Billups, Chris Weber, Antonio Gates. I have one with Isaiah Thomas. Ooh. So a um, lot of lot of fun things, and you can follow my draft coverage in the next month and a half as well on my website. Excellent stuff, and awesome man! How great has this been to have great basketball? My- oh, Rashad, before we get out, am I allowed to ask you why are you why are you called Yoda? <laughs> well, it was a name. Given, it, it, it was given to me like I uh, a high school coach, a friend of mine. I used to run my own training academy in Michigan. I actually have the shirt on. It's called oh. Skills Unlimited. There you go. So this is a silhouette of me when I played. Um, I had like 200 students and I was training them and teaching them. And my high school uh, friend, high school coach, that's a friend of mine. He came up to me after one of my camps. I had like 200 kids. He's like, man, these are like your Jedi. You're like Yoda. <laughs> like you're Very always... Nice. You're always injecting these kids with wisdom. Every kid that passed you, you inject them with wisdom. You're like the Yoda. And it just stuck with me. And I just started using it. I love Star Wars, too. Oh, who doesn't? I love Star Wars. I was just going to say, I mean, he's been doing scouting reports since he was eight years old. Yoda makes sense. He's wise beyond his years. Yeah, it makes sense. It made sense. It stuck with me. So I just kind of, I just use it. I love Yoda. I I actually got a little, got a little. Hey, nice. So, there you go. Nice. So, so, yep. I love it. Right on. That's a cool story. Yeah. Cause I was, I was wondering that and I didn't catch Chris and them ask you that. So I was like, I got to at least ask him where yeah. Yoda come from. So that's yeah, cool. It was given to me. It was got I didn't, I didn't, a lot of people think I coined it myself. Like I just started calling nah. them. I, I didn't do that. Like you don't come that across that like type Yoda. of way. No, yeah. It was not at all. to me. And I was just was like, okay. And the kids start calling it, calling mm-hmm. me that. So I started using it on Twitter you know, years ago. And then now it's just like, it's kind of taking his own life. So I just run with it. Now I have fun with it. There you go. I mean, you, you are very, uh, I don't What's, what's the word Austin for star Wars? Like for these, for these Jedi, you know, they can kind of see things, they can feel things before they happen. Connected to the force. He's connected. Mm -hmm. He uses the force. There you go. He uses the force. Mm -hmm. The force is strong with this one, (laughs) but Rashad, man, thank you so much for coming on the show i had a blast we got to get you back on again you know right. i know, that I know was, that you're big so time. much fun i know that you're big time but we would love to have you back whenever you have the whenever you have the time man i really appreciate it thanks steven state thanks austin it's been a pleasure mm-hmm. you guys keep pushing forward uh keep having fun i, oh, I yeah. love what you guys are building and uh again have fun with it keep going well, thank you very much. Yeah, we're thank you. That means a lot to us, man. And for real, like Stephen was asking me how fun it was, like just being able to talk to you and pick your brain and and yeah. just see the way the way you think about the game has just been so much fun. Stephen yeah. and I are are 
you know, big NBA nerds in a way. So awesome. we love this. We love this kind of stuff. Keep pushing. Keep having fun with it. Keep mm-hmm. keep learning. Keep definitely always just keep injecting yourself with knowledge and just keep going forward. All right. Yes, yes sir. sir. Yes, sir. And man, like Rashad, again, you're a real one. You've been a, a true gem here on the show and uh, we'll let you get out of here. But before thank we you. do, we just want to thank you, the viewer, you, the listener. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Um, you're listening to us here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. You can catch us every Monday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. But for our incredible guest, Rashad Phillips, for my awesome co-host, Austin Carr, for myself, for Breaking the Game Show, for the Off the Ball Network, for the Dash Radio Nothing But Net channel, we will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Talk Have soon. Have a good one. Talk soon. That's right. Thank you.